0: Most of us here can probably quote this. It's a staple to a Christian to read, quote this psalm, and um, it shows the providing hand of God. Psalms 37, while you're turning there, let me say again how honored I am to be here. Give honor tonight to Bishop. Love him. Appreciate him. Honor to Pastor thankful for what God is doing in this house. you know We've got a reason to rejoice on Sunday night. Someone's going down in the wonderful lovely name of Jesus. <laughs> so, y'all, y'all put a whole lot of emphasis on that Jesus stuff. Yeah, you're right because the Bible puts a whole lot of emphasis on that Jesus stuff. Neither is there salvation in any other. Well, there is none, under, none other name under heaven among men for by which we must be saved. I'm glad to know the name tonight. How about you? And if you're here and you don't, you don't understand what we're talking about, I promise you, you can find somebody that's close to you and they can give you a quick Bible study about why we baptize in the name of Jesus. And that the wonderful part about this living for God stuff is it never stops getting better. Like, you repent, and there's this deal. I've seen people completely change just by repenting. Their whole world gets turned upside down just because they repented of their sins, but it gets better than that. Then they get baptized, and they really feel good then. But that ain't it either. I mean, that's a part of it. That's That's a part of the process. But then you can get the Holy Ghost. Evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's something to shout about too, but guess what? It don't stop there. It becomes a daily walk and he feels me every day. How many are just thankful for, for the Holy Ghost tonight? Thankful for the walk with God that you have and I want more of it. How about you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I apologize for my voice tonight. I realize I don't have much left, but I will give you every bit of it I got tonight if you'll help me. How about it? All right. Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. David says this, Looking back over his life, I have been young and am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor is sea begging bread. Ooh. Aren't you glad to know you're serving a great provider tonight? Hallelujah. With this text being read, I was sitting at a table some months ago, and while I was at that table... You just got to know who I was at the t- you, you know, rednecks can come up with some stuff, especially like 1 o'clock in the morning when you ain't slept. You, can just, you just start talking. And when, and when you start talking, sometimes you get into dumb conversations. I know y'all don't have dumb conversations out here in California, but in Mississippi, we have dumb conversations sometimes. And there was a theological <laughs> debate about a term that we use in the English language, and that term is... There's a first time for everything. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, first time for everything. And, and so I was on a certain side of this argument. And uh, with that being said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach my side of the argument. And I really hope Brother Stephen Collins tunes in tonight to listen because he was arguing the other side. <laughs> but no, I, I want to preach tonight with your help and the help of the Lord. Some things never happen. Some things just don't happen. How are we going to shout to that? Stick with me for a little while. I'll show you. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Give you glory. Give you honor. God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now to have your way in this house. God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow from the front to the back and side to side. Let there be a power and touch from your spirit that will change us and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, I think we can do a little bit better than that on Sunday night. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Woo! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me tonight. There are a few things that qualify this scripture. Firstly, it is who is writing and the perspective that he is writing from. It is evident that David is the author and he is an older man and he is looking back over his life and if you put this scripture in context, he begins to teach us as an older man would teach a younger man. This is David's older self writing letters back to himself in his early age. I don't know exactly what. Uh, age he was guessing to uh, write to but we do know he's, he's imparting wisdom and so he begins by reminding us in the form of a song not to pay attention to what the wicked are doing simply because if you watch the wicked you'll get depressed because sometimes the wicked have more money. Sometimes the wicked have nicer houses. Ooh, somebody's getting depressed already. Sometimes they have nicer cars. And from the outside looking in, they even have more peace. And so he opens this chapter with the words, "Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. This age, David, who has at that time been envious of evil men, is handing down wisdom that in spite of his failure, we know that David has ruled well. And David simply is telling us, if you pay attention to the wicked, you will miss your miracle because the wicked's money doesn't fill the void on the inside of them. If that was true, we talked about it a little bit this morning, why are they still doing the things that they are doing, trying to fill the void? And so David tells us, don't pay attention to them because David has a revelation that you need to get tonight and that is simply that wickedness will not do for you what worship will do for you. You can go out there and live in the world any way you want to live. You're bad, you can do it all by your bad self. Ain't nobody gonna stop you. But I'm gonna tell you there's some stuff that you can do in the house of God that'll get more done than anything you can do in the world. You can come to the house of God and worship and get God's attention. And I'm here to tell you on a Sunday night when you get God's attention, uh, stuff starts moving. When you get God's attention, uh, things start breaking. Uh, That's why we can see there's a breakthrough in the room today uh, because somebody doesn't come to church on Sunday night and lifted up holy hands without wrath uh, and they got God's attention. And all of a sudden uh, when God comes down in In our midst. Stuff starts happening. I'm going to tell you right now, wickedness won't put your broken marriage back together again, but worship will. Oh, you didn't come to help this redneck preach today. Wickedness isn't going to fix your broken banking account, but worship can. Somebody just missed their place to shout because you've been looking at broken banks account. And I'm here to tell you right now that if you need a blessing, it's in your praise. Somebody already said it tonight, but I'm gonna say it again. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is something that you can use to fight against the enemies. No, you're not gonna do it on your own. No, because you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have it all together, but he does. And he's able, and he oh my god, he can bring life into death. You gotta figure out who you are, and you gotta figure out what your purpose is. And that's really simple when you spoil it all down. What David is teaching us is if you just look at what you're supposed to do, everybody. I know not everybody's called to preach. Okay? Not everybody's called to sing, thank God. Because your spouse can tell you when you've been in the shower singing your favorite worship song that we probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as you do. Not everybody's called to do all of those things, but can I tell you that everybody's called to worship I don't care if you're six, 60, or 106. If you've got breath in your body, you're called to worship. Because if you don't, he said, I'll cause the rocks to cry out in your place. If you are called, well, preacher, I don't know what my purpose in the house of God is. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. You're a worshiper. Not only are you a worshiper, you're a worshiper that tears down strongholds. You're a worshiper that opens up the door for apostolic revival in Bakersfield, California. You're anointed by God to worship Hallelujah. So David realizes that he's talking to worshipers. And when, when you get that revelation of who he's talking to, he continues in verse 4 Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also, everyone shall also. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. You see the reason David said delight thyself also. Trust also in the Lord. is because he's not speaking from the king's perspective. He's an old king. But he's writing from the perspective of someone that's been a shepherd. Someone that's been a castaway. Someone that has been a warrior. Someone that's been a worshiper. And now that shepherd, castaway, worshiper, warrior is a king. And he says, I got all of this by delighting myself in the Lord. And so it's like David, because I'm going to tell you about David. David's got a little bit of an ego. Go read your Bible. It'll tell you the same thing. It don't say this, thus saith the Lord, David, thou hast an ego. Don't say it like that. But you go read how David operates. David has a little bit of an ego. And he says if you want to get to where I am, if you want to sit on a throne, if you want to be a king, if you want to see dominion released in your world, trust also, delight also. David is simply telling us that it worked for me. And if it worked for me, it'll work for you too, because God is no respecter of persons. Wait on Him like the sheep wait on the shepherd, and, and, and they get the rest like you can get rest from the lion and the bear. David is telling you, I'm not. I'm not telling you as a king. I'm telling you as somebody that's had a hard life, and I can tell you that the only way I got to where I am is because I delighted myself in the Lord, and when I put myself in Him. Every one of my dreams was in the Lord. Every one of my aspirations was in the Lord. Every one of my faults was in the Lord. And when I delighted myself in the Lord, God started working stuff out for my good and in my favor. It's worked good for me and it's the best decision I've ever made. I'm gonna tell you that I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm not a king. I don't own a cattle on a thousand hills, but I know somebody that does and if you'll delight yourself in him, he'll turn it. Yeah, I'm at rock bottom, watch God turn it when you start putting him first in everything that you do. It's I wish I had somebody that had a testimony that coming to God is still the best decision I ever made. Living for the Lord is still. I went to a meeting one night, and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me, and I thank God in that meeting my life was changed. I got a testimony that says I may not be everything society thinks I need to be, but if you only seen me where God found me, Come on, if you could only see what God brought me from, if you could only look back over my life and see how he brought me out and he brought me through, you'd understand why I'm running. You'd understand why I'm shouting. You understand why I'm dancing. God's been good to this old boy. I don't deserve it, but his grace and his mercy overlooked what I did deserved, and he brought me out. I'll be honest with you, I'm the least likely to succeed in this house tonight, but God, but God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, showed up and made a way out of no way. David begins to write a song. Now, now that you got the context, I'm going to preach what I came to preach. David starts writing a song, Bishop. And he tells us all these things. He tells us to look at where God brought him from. And David is an old man. We know that. He tells us that. And he's looking back over his life. And this is where the egotistical David just kind of fades away. And now David, I'll just be honest with y'all. You don't have to agree with me, but the truth is you're like this too. You just won't admit it. If I would have killed a giant with just a slingshot, if I would have killed a lion and a bear with a slingshot and with my bare hands. When I get old, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> Every time you walk in my house, I'm going to look. If you came to my place in Mississippi, you can't even walk through the front door before I start touch. Now this one, I shot him in Kansas. And, and, and this one over, I got a black bear on my wall. It's one of my prized possessions. And I tell everybody that comes to my house, I did that. I did it with a bow and an arrow. And I ain't as bad as David. You talk to me five minutes and I'll pull that phone out and I'll show you. Hey, mm mm-hmm, I'm bad to the bone, dude, when you put a bow and arrow in my hand. And I get old, I can see myself sitting around Brother Frost and talking about all the good hunts I've had and all that good stuff. But I'm going to tell you, David don't do that. David could have talked about killing that nine-foot giant. David could have talked about uh, killing the lion and the bear. David could have talked about driving the Jebusites out of Jerusalem and setting up his throne there. David could have talked about all of the defining moments in his life like bringing the ark of God back home. He could have retold the story. He's an old man. But David doesn't do that. David says the most powerful stuff that i seen wasn't the stuff that I did see. It was the fact that there were some things that were supposed to happen that never happened because the mercy of God stepped them the way. And the mercy of God made sure that every... I once was young and am now old. He doesn't give you seven steps to a better you or some garbage on how to become a king. He says, I'm here to tell you that the greatest miracle that I have seen is that there's some things that should have happened that never happened. He said, because I've never one time seen the righteous forsaken or the seed pegging bread. and I preach it like this, David's greatest testimony was not the stuff that he did see, but it was the stuff that he didn't see. I've come to tell somebody tonight, I thank God for all the stuff that you have seen, but if you can only look through time and see every time you should have died in a car wreck. I know you're sitting on this pew tonight but the truth of the matter is you were supposed to OD while you were in the world and you were doing drugs but God who is rich in mercy but God who saw you in your mother's womb but I know you were drunk driving and the devil wanted to take you out but God said no there's gonna be a day they're gonna come to the house of God and I'm gonna change their life and i I'm going to turn it around. I'm telling you, you better rejoice over the victories that you ain't even seen. I'm telling you right now, you're, you're looking at a man. I'm not bragging. Yeah, I am. I'm bragging on Jesus. I don't deserve to be standing in this pulpit tonight. I don't. You know what? Truth of the matter is, they shouldn't have even let me in the building. If, if I got what I deserved, I'd be somebody right now that way back in Mississippi, you'd have found me planted under a pine tree somewhere. But thank God, he don't give us what we deserve. Oh, I, I deserve, you don't deserve nothing. I deserve his blessing. You better be careful asking God for what you deserve. You'll be pushing up daisies, honey, because ain't none of us deserve to even come to church tonight. Look, I know you got your suit on and you look good, and you got your tie just right, and you got all the bobby pins in your hair put together, but the truth of the matter is, is we're all sinners and we're all failures, but that's what makes the grace of God so good, is I didn't get what I deserved. I should be dead, I would be dead, I could be dead, but God, I should be an addict, I would be an addict, I could be an addict, but God, I, I shoulda lost my marriage, but God, I shoulda lost my children, but God, I shoulda lost my mind, but God, God stepped in and made a way where there was no way. You see some people jumping a little higher than the rest of them, and what you need to know is they know where God brought them from. Again, I know you got it all together, but some of us didn't come from the right side of the tracks, and some of us don't have a perfect life, and we know the only reason I'm here is because God sure is good. The only reason I'm still walking is because God sure is good. The only reason I'm able to come to church is because God sure is good. Somebody ought to give God some crazy praise right now just over knowing that there was some stuff that should have happened that never happened. Just take a walk down memory lane right now. If, if, oh Lord, How many times have I been driving late at night? How many times? How many times can I look back over my life? And I didn't have time to intercede. All I had time to do, you know what you do, you grab that bar on the side of your door and say, Jesus. That's why David could come to church and worship in no matter what the situation was around him because he realized that the only reason I'm here is because God has his hand on me. <laughs> now let me put this in context for you. The reason some things never happen is because something did happen. See, before David ever gets to all this stuff, all we know about is the line and the bear at this point. Before he ever gets to the, to the king's ship, before he ever gets to the place to where he's, he's killing giants, a preacher showed up with a bottle of oil. Reason some things never happen is because he learned how to walk in his anointing. And it's a God-given anointing. That, that, that's the major difference between Saul and David. Saul was anointed too, but he was anointed by men. And even the way that he was anointed, the Bible says when God told Samuel to anoint Saul, it's because the people wanted him, and he said, you take a vial of oil. A vial is glass. It's, it's clay. It's handmade. It's man-made. But when he told him to anoint David, he said, you take a horn of oil. That's, oh, help me, Jesus. I'm trying not to chase these rabbits right now, but I'm, I'm, I feel like preaching. He told, he told he told Samuel, he said, you take a horn of all and you go down there. Do you know what a horn is? A horn is God made. It comes from an animal and they would stuff the end of it with stuff and, and drill it out to where they could carry it around and all. And that's why you got to learn how to walk in your anointing and not in somebody else's anointing. Because David, if you walk around in a man-made anointing, it's fragile and it's the wrong thing will bump up against you and it'll cause your vow to crack and you'll start losing all and you'll start losing anointed come on somebody but if you get anointed by a horn of all, god says you can commit things that you should have never done and david i will wash it away and i'll forgive you because you're not operating in a man-made anointing you're operating in a god-made anointing you're you're not operating and trying to force it out hey just let it happen everybody's anointed to worship if you never get a mic in your hand if you sing on the praise team, if you never preach a message, there needs to be something inside of you that says I'm walking in what God called me to walk in. I'm a Bible study teacher. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a worshiper. I'm gonna show you how learning how to walk in a God made anointing literally saved David's life because David, there's another anointing service that he has in his life. You know what it is? He is anointed to be the armor bearer of Saul. It's in your Bible. Go read it. He's anointed to be the armor bearer of Saul, but he recognizes, oh, help me, Jesus. I've got to walk in the God stuff and not in the man stuff. And by walking in the God stuff and not in the man stuff, what happens to Saul's armor bearer when Saul dies? You know what happens? He dies too. By all accounts, that should have been David. David. Because David was the armor bearer of Saul. <laughs> There's something about this Bible that makes me want to shout. He should have died when Saul died because he was anointed to be the armor bearer of Saul. And when Saul died, his armor bearer died. But David... My anointing that I have on you, it's, it's not man-made. And so when, when Saul comes to the end of his days, uh, your anointing will keep on going. When Saul comes to the end of his journey, uh, your anointing will keep on living. Uh, when it's over for Saul, uh, it'll be just the beginning for you because you're not walking in man-made stuff. Uh, you're walking in God-made stuff. Can I meddle a minute? All right, good. Bishop said I could do it. Everybody said, oh my God. (laughs) Well, they're not using me. Maybe it's because you haven't learned how to work in your own anointing yet. Well, 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 when when are they going to put me up front? When you learn how to operate in your anointing on the backside of a hill when nobody can see you. Because David got used to this anointing while he was in a pasture, not in a pulpit. David got used to figuring out how this anointing business worked when nobody was there to watch him. That lets me know you. the only way that they're, when stuff comes against you and, and God says, you know what, I'm not even going to let you know about it. I'm going to take care of the stuff so that you don't even have to see it. I'm going to make sure that the righteous are never forsaken or they seed never begging for bread in your life. I'm going to make sure that there's miracles, signs, and wonders, and you don't even know where they came from, and you don't even know how they showed up. But David, the only way I'm going to do it is if you learn how to get in the backside of a pasture and there's nobody there to pass you on the back and say good song brother David but you sit down with your harp there's nobody there but sheep but you start singing unto the Lord and you, you gotta learn how to praise him when you're by yourself David you gotta learn how to walk in your anointing when you're by yourself listen Saul he should have died with Saul he should have died with, with Goliath I mean that's a big dude look I'm mean and all but I, I, I've seen some folks I didn't want to fight I'm, I'm really good at kicking and biting. All right, you put me in a corner. You better be ready. I'm going to lay hands on you in Jesus' name. Hey. I'm kidding. Kinda. <laughs> I mean, Goliath's a big dude, over nine foot tall. He should have ripped David to shreds. But God. Why are you still here? God. Why, why are you dance like that? Because I understand there's some stuff that came my way I didn't even get to see. Because God took care of it. If, if that wasn't enough, Absalom. Now, here, here's where it gets really tricky and funny. And this is where it gets real, real. He done fought giants, but that wasn't an issue. The, I, I, if I had to guess, what the hardest trial for David would have been? Now, this is just my opinion. If Bishop, if you disagree with this, you're right; I'm wrong. But it had to be when Absalom, his own son, tried to kill him. Because what happens is when the enemy finds out that he can't get you to throw away your God-given anointing from the outward side, he'll do everything he can to try to get on the inside, and he'll get he'll use people that are close to you to hurt you. He'll use, oh, help me, Jesus, I'm preaching now. You'll get rejected and you'll get abandoned and you'll, you'll get hurt by the people that are closest to you. And, and, and then the devil will step back and say, well, David, now, now you want to quit? Have you lost your mind? Devil, have you lost your mind? I, I understand. My friends might walk away. My family might walk away. It, it, just kind of like old brother Joe who his own wife is standing there and saying, don't, "Why don't you just curse God and die?" But Job realized uh, that life is full of choices, uh, and if cursing God and dying is on the table, that must mean that blessing God and living's on the table too. And so, I'm not gonna make the choice. Uh, uh, God, I'm not going to make the choice off of what my emotions are telling me because I've been hurt because I've been rejected. I understand that God's been so good to me. If he never brings me out of this, if he never puts my family back together, if he never gives me another dime, he's already been too good to me. I've got to... I'm not going to sit back on Sunday night and let some rock in the foundation cry out for me. I know that I'm here by the grace of God. Look at somebody and tell them, shoulda. Oh, you didn't say it like you was preaching it. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but God. God. Talk about this for a minute. What about Ishbibenob? Anybody ever heard of that guy? I know it's a hard name to say, especially if you're a redneck. Ishbibenob. The Bible says that Ishbibenob, the brother of Goliath. There's a difference in Goliath, and I don't have time to preach that. Can I put that in 2.25 or 2.250? We, 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 can, we can talk about that later. Coming back to that. How about that? What are we at? Like part seven now at this point? But ish and Goliath are radically different. If you study them, you'll find that, that Goliath is kind of big and bulky and, and he's a champion, he's a bruiser. But that's not how ish is. Go study home, when you get home, study ish The Bible says that he has a sword thought to have slain David. Now, I know that when we read that, most of the time we just assume that that means that he thought he was going to kill David with a sword. But that's not it. ish was a swordsman. ish spent time down at the blacksmiths. He had been spending time at the forge. You will go find this and study. It, it's it's there. It's in history books. Uh, he, he would spend time down there, taking taking time with the with, with the blacksmiths. And you know, give, give me a little bit more weight in the heel. Put me a little, no no no, that was too much. Put me a little bit more in the tip. I need this thing balanced just right. Okay, sharpen it till you can shave with it. Every knife I got, you can shave with, baby. It's a grueling process. Spend time taking that whetstone and pulling that. That blade across the stone, until you could pull a hair and just drop it on it, and it'd split it in half. That's what a real sharp knife do. He's done. He spent so much time there, that I'm sure that the blacksmith's like Ishbibanab. Hey, coach, you got to get out of here. And this is this is history. You go find it. It's in your history books. When he finally gets the sword the way he wants it, he says, "There's one more thing you need to do," and he engraves the name of David into the blade of the sword. So when the Bible says he, having a sword, thought to have slain David, he literally had the name of David engraved into the sword. But what he didn't know is some things never happen because Isaiah 54 and verse 17 would say, no weapon formed against you. It's tailor-made for you, David. The devil even was devil. You so dumb. He even put his name on the sword, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that lifted itself up. Oh. I'm, I'm telling somebody tonight, you got it. Don't tell me you don't have a reason to shout. Don't tell me you don't have a reason to run. Don't tell me you ain't got a reason to lift your voice and lift your hands. It's because there will be weapons formed, but David, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shall condemn. I've come to tell somebody tonight that depression you've been fighting against, no weapon formed against you shall Shall prosper. uh, That struggle you've been fighting in your mind uh, and anxiety and uh, fear—no weapon. uh, No weapon. uh, No weapon. uh, No weapon. uh, No. say, preacher, you're just repeating yourself. No, I'm trying to drive it into your mind uh, that tonight when you get home uh, and you get up in the middle of the night to eat your milk and cookies or whatever it is that you do uh, and the devil comes against you uh, with a spirit of fear, uh, you can look the devil in the eye uh, and say, no weapon uh, formed against me uh, shall prosper. Uh, I'm saying it because somebody's got a doctor's visit uh, that you gotta go to uh, and he might come in uh, and say, it ain't looking good, honey, Uh, but you can look back at the doctor uh, and say, no weapon uh, formed against me uh, shall prosper. Uh, Somebody's gotta go talk to the lawyer, uh, and the lawyer's gonna say, it ain't looking good, baby, uh, but no weapon uh, formed against me uh, shall prosper. Uh, There's some things uh, that might be formed, uh, but they will not work. Uh, There's some things uh, that might come against me, uh, but some things never happen. you better get scared in Bakersfield. You you, you better find you a corner somewhere to hide because there's a people of God that are getting a revelation that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that comes up talking bad, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna condemn it. Every tongue that says you can't have old-fashioned Pentecostal revival, I'm not just gonna stand up and condemn it. I'm gonna show the devil how it's done and then turn around and say, how do you like me now, joker? I'm not just, hey, I'm going to put it in the devil's face for a little while. Here it is. You said we'd never have revival. You said we'd never grow. You said we'd never go forward. But here we are. No weapon. Keep on talking bad about us. Because the more you talk about us, the higher we go. The more you say it won't happen, the more it happens. The more you say we fail, the more we will have victory. Because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Two parts to this, God's part and my part. Notice who David's talking about. He ain't just talking about some knucklehead that come to church. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The word righteous is translated as just. That's why we can go to Romans and say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He goes on a little bit later to say that the just the righteous shall what? Live by? Well, it don't make any sense to go into a valley full of giants. Yeah, you know, I'm not just anybody. I'm righteous. I'm just. I got the hand of God on me. That's why I ain't scared. Give me your best shot. Do whatever you gotta do. But I just want you to know, I already made up my mind For this battle started. When it was over, I'm still gonna be standing. Knock me down once, knock me down a hundred times, knock me down a thousand times. I really don't care, cause I made up in my mind, there's some things that are never gonna happen and me quitting ain't one of them. Oh, you didn't come to help me preach on Sunday night. I said, I ain't quitting. I'm not pulling in the towel. I'm not. uh, No, 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 no. No, no. I'm preaching to somebody. and I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Uh, You came to church tonight and the devil told you you might as well quit. Don't you dare. Don't you. No, no, no. Don't you dare weapon formed against you shall prosper. Just be faithful. Just be righteous. Just be just. Just walk by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I'm walking by faith, and as long as I'm walking by faith, God's making up the difference. Been chased all over the world. Y'all musicians, help me, please. Chase, let's give these musicians a great hand. Aren't they incredible? They don't get enough credit. They, they always know just what to sing. Man, it makes me happy. <laughs> David's chased all over the world, talked about misunderstood, stomped on. And you know, even nowadays, David's still getting talked about bad and good. And you know, David and Joseph are, the, are those two guys that you can preach them either way you want to. Just depends on if it's Sunday morning or Sunday night. If you need to cry, you can preach David and you can preach Joseph on Sunday morning. If you need to shout, you can turn it right around and preach them on Sunday night. I mean, you can preach them every different way because they had life just like you got life. But I, there, there's some people that, that get upset with me because I never preach out of the New Testament, but I really, I do. I preach out of the New Testament. I just start in the Old Testament. And so tonight, I, I, I want to show you how this happens in Acts chapter 28. Can we put that up there? Acts chapter 28 and verse 3. Acts 28 and 3. Now this, this is a New Testament revelation that some, man, that was fast. Jeez, I didn't even get to tell the story. She already had it up there. That's what I'm talking about. They, they've done, this is New Testament revelation right here that some things never happen. Paul is shipwrecked. And the Bible says that he gathered a bundle of sticks, laid them on the fire, came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Next verse. Paul, being the good anointed man of God, that he was, watch this. This is what it is. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said to themselves, no doubt, this man's a murderer. He's escaped the ocean, and, and he's getting his due reward. Next verse. He shook off the beast Woo. into the fire, felt no harm. I'm going to tell you why this something never happened stuff so powerful. Let's go to the next verse. How bit, that means in spite of all that, they looked Do you see that? When he should have swollen. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but God. Shoulda swollen, shoulda fallen down dead. They're scratching their heads it. this don't make any sense. And can I tell you that there are people around you, some things are not for your testimony, some things are for the barbarians that are watching you. God why am I going through this because there's a barbarian that's watching you and saying every minute now any minute now they're going they're going to quit there's somebody you're working with and they know what you're going through and they're watching you go to church every Sunday and every Tuesday and they're saying any minute now they're they're, they're gonna throw in the towel you know, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be one of them that backslide because everything goes wrong. They're watching for the frost and they're saying, Oh yeah, uh-huh. It, yep, next week, about this time, they're gonna throw in the towel and they're gonna say, I'm never going back to that church again. And the barbarian standing there scratching his head saying, Why ain't they quit yet? Shoulda, could've what a. I just want the barbarian to know. Yeah, you're right. I should be dead, sleeping in my grave. But. You didn't come to have church. You didn't. You didn't have, no, 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 no. And everybody's looking. Look, if, this, if this doesn't show you what happened in 2020 when the whole world shut down. How many I look I actually let what was it last night what's today Sunday? My days are all running together. I've been in church so much I don't know if it's Sunday or Friday. Y'all help me. But last night I had to get some stuff and so I, I just started driving around town and I looked it up on my phone. You know how many churches shut down in 2020 in Bakersfield? There's buildings everywhere. So little ones, big ones, mid-sized ones. Used to be, fixing to be, this, that, and the other. And I thought, yep, they've been watching. They've been watching GB, FPC. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Any minute. We went through COVID. Everybody else was shut down. We were shut down. They said, yeah, they, they ain't gonna be able to afford that big, nice, beautiful building. Shoulda. Coulda. Woulda. Barbarians are out there laughing, making fun, and all the while, God said, I'm gonna add to the church daily the same that should be saved. They said we'd shut down and we'd never be able to come back together and we'd never have revival, but look at us now, devil, because no weapon We should be that we don't shut the doors and turn off the lights, but God, but God, but God, he made a way, he opened the door, and that same God is still making a way. That same God is still opening doors. That same God is still showing up and showing out. On Sunday night, when we have one of the good testimonies that God done made away, you ever been around here on Sunday night and we we shout and dance? But tonight, if, if the curtain of time for the Brock could be pulled back, and we could see all the battles that we didn't even have to face because God just took care of it, I'm, I really think it scares some of us to death. If you know how close you were to be in a memory on Sunday night. I know because you can't see it and put your hand on it and you can't recollect it exactly when it happened and where you were and all that stuff that it's a little hard to shout over that. But I wonder if on Sunday night there'd be something inside of you that just says, you know what God, I thank you because you kept me. Now but... I didn't even see it, but I know you kept me. Is there somebody here tonight? I I know you know how to shout and dance and roll on the floor over stuff you did see, but why don't you shout over some stuff that you haven't seen right now?